0: I live on Hornby Island, if you can see behind me, and uh, the video, the Wi-Fi is uh, is not very strong. It's more like a tin can with a little string, you know, (laughs)
1: leading up the hill. (laughs) At least it's not (laughs) dial-up.
0: No, not quite. Not quite at that level.
1: Doug, I ordered your book yesterday, so I'm excited to get it from Amazon.
0: Oh, excellent. I'm glad you could, and uh, I hope that it's helpful to you and yeah. I imagine in the ordering process, you had a little look at what it entails and what's involved. Yeah. In, in yeah.
1: We all struggle with that and we all need solutions. So why not help one another and we can learn and grow from each other?
0: Well, uh, fractures uh, in relationships are something that happen to everybody and uh, they result in a lot of uh, toxically avoided conversations. mm and the whole aim of this book is to get people over that so that they don't they they feel empowered they don't feel that they um uh they 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 need to avoid the conversation and say you know okay this is tough but i'm going to do it because i value you or i because i care about you or i care about our relationship and to and to just get into it and to know that as they go mm-hmm. forward following the guidance in the book they'll be okay. They'll take the least amount of risk in undertaking a risky proposition.
1: As for the listeners, Doug, you were born and raised in Edmonton. Yes. Yeah. And how did you get started in your career? Were you always somebody that thought a certain way and made a few mistakes along the way?
0: <laughs> we're only human. Mistakes. <laughs> uh, no question about that. Uh The uh, the course that I followed was um, when I was in uh, high school. I I saw a very fine man being interviewed um, and it turned out that he was a lawyer and I was so struck by his gravity and his uh, his language that I thought, well oh, I'm going to look into that. So I, I made the wrong, the, the first mistake there. Um, I decided I wanted to be a lawyer rather than I wanted to be concerned with fine men. Uh, So uh, (laughs) I found out later that I really wanted the latter more. Not that the law career was bad. It wasn't bad at all. It was a lot of fun. Um, But I shifted when I was 30 to, um, uh, I began the shift when I was 30 to coaching and consulting. And that's where I am now.
1: Are you still in Mexico as well?
0: I live in Hornby and uh, Mexico and Calgary, so nice. we kind of go around depending on the weather.
1: <laughs> and how is it out there? Because I've heard about the fires coming through right now. It's insane.
0: Nope. No fires here. Okay. Uh, no smoke here. Uh, it's been uh, coolish, in fact. Yeah. It's not as warm as it sometimes is here. It's about 25 every day, which is actually just ideal.
1: So it's perfect. Not too hot, not too cold.
0: Yeah. yeah. Nice.
1: Yeah. And what brought you out to Hornby Island?
0: Oh, back in, um, in the day when my son was playing hockey, uh, he had a mm. close friend in the hockey game there and, uh, in the hockey league. And the friend said, um, you should come out to Hornby, but my parents get this place every year. So um you know on a flyer we did and that was it we've been here every summer since so
1: and you were the a chair of tech so for the listeners what exactly is tech and is it open to everyone that's a small and mid-sized business or is it you have to be invited into tech
0: You have to um apply okay. and uh be accepted. I mean, I don't think they're making it hard for people, but on the other hand, you have to be the right mm-hmm. sort of person because you have to believe that, um, you know, nobody gets what it is to be a, an entrepreneur and to face the things that they face, but other entrepreneurs, really. Um, so the, the, the central idea is bring these people together, let them talk through uh, with each other the, the uh, opportunities and issues that they're facing. And at the same time, let them be coached and let them learn from world-class speakers that come through. So um, w- w- the, the mix of those three is the value proposition for tech.
1: What is something you've learned from seeing various organizations and entrepreneurs specifically in similarities of their traits?
0: What have I learned about their similarity? drive you know they're all they're all unremitting in their quest to uh to get somewhere with their organization
1: relentless
0: they're relentless and they're single-minded i mean everything that they are concerned with has to fit within the relevance of what works for this organization what works for me as a person so they tend to discard things that are a peripheral, they see as peripheral value. then yeah, using their time.
1: Oh, yes. Yes, they are. Some.
0: <laughs> uh, some.
1: <laughs> when you look at the reasons why you created a book like Fractures, where did that idea come from? Was it an overnight thought or was it something oh, no. that I've been formulating for years?
0: Fixing Fractures came for, uh, via a, a long, slow gestation. Um, I met John Constantouris, who is the teacher of this approach many years ago. Uh, He was a tech speaker and a tech chair, actually. So um, I I got a chance to uh, learn from him straight up. And I said to him, look, I want to learn how to do this. And so he said, well, I've never taught anybody. And, uh, So the short version is that I learned and I did the workshop that John uh, espoused for many years, healing significant ruptures in organizations, and that's what led me in the end to write the book, because John did not write the book, and he he, he died in the last five years, so I felt this information should not should not be uh, any longer uh, deprived of the general public.
1: And what has been the reception so far of the book?
0: Oh, I would say encouraging, but modest. Um, one thing you learn about as a an author, as distinguished from a writer, is that um, you you have to write the book, then you have to produce the book, and then you have to promote the book. And um, I haven't yet, uh, I guess, done enough promotion that it's caught on. Uh, I, I keep thinking that somewhere someone's going to find it and, and, and espouse it and, and broadcast it. And that's part of why I'm talking to you, of course.
1: Well, absolutely. Why not? We should get it out there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, I think it's very
0: useful, and I, 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 I hope that it can reach the audience that it was intended for
1: what would you say some of the the tools that an audience could get out of it as an entrepreneur what could i receive out of that book
0: you know the the the, the principal value in the book is getting people over their avoidance uh, because they avoid these conversations at great cost and if it's uh, you know it can be a conversation in a business where you know somebody comes after a long drawn out dismissal comes down the hall and says, "What took you so long?" <laughs> the uh, uh, the the decisions that follow from conversations that didn't happen are often unfortunate. Um, particularly when it comes to people, people are very very difficult to secure and replace these days. So, you know, having an unfortunate brush with somebody in your firm, and then writing them off, and, and, you know, first freezing them out, and then writing them off. um, The the cost involved in that, it's just monumental. Um, And so if I can help people get over their reluctance, and then feel that they have the skill and confidence to tackle these things. And sure, they're tough, you know, sure. They're tough. And, and, and nobody wants to do this, but if you know that you can get through it with a minimum of damage and a great deal of possible upside, then you'll do it. Of course. But it takes discipline as does anything worth doing.
1: Well, it's discipline, but I think it's also like, you know, ego. Cause we can always put blame on others, and and then avoid. Like you said, the communication is there's a lack of it, and I've been guilty of that at times where I've just left things unsaid, and it'll slowly creep up on you. You almost got to deal with them and and face them and address them. And I'm sure the other party's wondering, "Hey, Zach, like you <laughs> what said, happened? What happened?" <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> and if they're courageous, they might, <clears throat> you know broach that with you yeah in that way but they don't do it either you know so you end up in this stalemate and communication collaboration goes down to zero um that's why it's so important in organizations the workshop that we used to do john and i uh was centered on this it was just this simple um We went through the organization and just found out what everybody's beef with everybody else was. And we got an inventory of those and then we would pull them together into a room uh, for a couple of days, teach them the protocol that's in the book. So they knew how to go about the discussion, then call the most explosive pair up in front of the room and work that issue with them until it was completely resolved. And that's the test for this approach. The outcome is that this issue will never come up again.
1: You, you know, I think about this. It's never the he said, she said. It, there has to be something deeper than that, underlining common issues between employees, contractors, and teams, and vice versa.
0: Yeah. Or families, whatever yeah. you know. Yeah, there is the, the the deeper issues are issues of typically yeah. um, uh, emotion, um, identity. People are dissed. They feel they've been they've been put down at a very fundamental level of their existence. But you know the, the the cause of the issue can stem from a whole bunch of things that we work through in the um, protocol very succinctly um, because what happens when most people fight is they fight in a bundle. That they did. don't separate out the things and keep them in compartments so that it all gets washed together. And then that makes the other person feel like they're just in a hockey net trying to deal with a hundred pucks at once, you know? Um So it it can stem from misinformation. It can stem from an improper understanding of role and relationship and expectations that go with that. Mm -hmm. It it can stem from an emotional reaction. And it can stem from, very likely in part, as you said, from ego. That the ego has constructed some, you know, magnificent, edifice around this thing and, <laughs> and that has to be taken down
1: <laughs> oh yes yeah i was reading i was trying to find it right now but doug you had something where it was the five pillars or five something that you talk about
0: well um the, 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 maybe the four I'll, I'll talk about four and then you can see yes i it think it was
1: there. a four four or five of them yeah yeah the,
0: the uh the, the main thing people are interested in is what's the recipe. You know, give me the magic bullet here. So that, if there is one, would be the relationship protocol, which is an an eight-step guided approach to the discussion. And the strength of that, as I mentioned, is that it keeps these elements in compartments, doesn't let them spill over from one into another. Um, The other elements, the the relationship mindset, which is sort of a way to, to... be with yourself and with other people, that means that constructive resolution is possible. Mm. Um, so there are a number of tenets in that. Um, the others uh, would be the pre-work, which uh, is something that, you know, I've heard people say, in fact, I heard somebody say this morning in tough conversations, I wouldn't script them because it causes people to lose attention. I think that scripting and preparation is so critical to getting through um, the anxiety. If you've sort of cycled through the the, the thing beforehand, and you've taken yourself out and taken your ego off the table, which is one of the things you do in the pre-work, then maybe you'll be more present and more able to contend with the flood of emotion because every, every really tough conversation to heal a fracture is attended with huge emotion typically. And it just overruns people. It takes up, takes them over and whatever the fourth one is, I've forgotten it just now.
1: (laughs) we'll We'll keep it at three. When you look at anxiety and preparation and through the process, do fractures last forever.
0: Well, they're like they're like bone fractures. They don't get better on their own. And if they heal, they heal badly more often than not. Uh so you know, you need intervention. And you know, when I don't know if you've ever had a broken leg or broken arm or something like that, have you?
1: No, nope, not yet. Knocked not on, yet, on. eh? Knock on wood. Well,
0: <laughs> Most people who have you know that the uh, the, uh, the the intervention is almost as bad as the initial break uh, it's pretty rough when the doctor resets the bone or <laughs> you know or does the operation that puts seven screws in your tibia you know uh this is not a lot of fun and there is a there is a uh a recovery process so I don't these this guidance is not intended for just kind of casual. Oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm mad at so-and-so because he chews gum in the movie. You know, uh, it's not intended for those. It's intended for significant issues. And those, um, when people break with other people, they're pretty bad, you know, and they don't get better by themselves. They tend to get worse left alone. Um, so I think that uh, the analogy of fractures is is a, a good analogy that brings home the gravity of these things.
1: Oh yeah. When you look at your life were there moments where you had had fractures and you had oh, just yeah. left them and didn't deal with them?
0: Yes, I certainly have had my share of them and yeah. uh, and before I knew how to deal with them I was I was much like other people. I just, you know, floundered, floundered, whatever I did. I didn't do much about it. And it just resulted in alienation from people that I really cared about or situations that I would have done much better in. So I certainly have lots of And I think that's the thing, right, is that people end up having an accumulation of regret about those situations that have not been addressed.
1: Was it fear for you, Doug, when you were dealing with that? Yeah, a lot
0: of it. Yeah, same. A lot of it was fear. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Um, why do you think I wanted to learn all this so I could overcome my own fear?
1: <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah, we all we all should have a little more of that in our lives, is to overcome things. But just take that first step. That's that's the option we have, or live with it.
0: Yeah, that's right, and a lot of people choose the latter. And their their quality of life is diminished on account of that. Often is not. I mean, I can't say that in every situation, but and, and and most people will justify. They'll they'll justify later and say, "Well, it really wasn't that good, or it really wasn't that important, or whatever they have to do to soothe themselves um, due to their failure to, to to grapple with the situation."
1: Why is it so important to mend relationships and friendships? in the workplace or in your personal life? Why is that so important? Even if you were at fault or they were at fault, what does it do for the soul and the human being?
0: Well, the first thing I would say is um, the richness of the relationship, the the possible richness of the relationship is never known until the relationship is tested. So if... um, if you have a relationship and it seems to be valuable and pleasant and helpful and all that sort of stuff. And then you have a, a a breach with uh, a breach of trust with that person. um, You can write it off or freeze them out, as I say, and, and just say goodbye to it. Or if you go into it and carry out this discussion you will find that on the other side of it is a much richer, much more robust relationship because now we know who we are and what's important and what's not important and why things strike us the way they do. So I think it, it people vastly underrate that possibility.
1: I, I wonder though, if I applied the tools that I learned from, fractures to um, a relationship that I need to mend. What if that individual hasn't grown or, you know, applied some of the tools for themselves? You also don't want to just pass them the book and say, Hey, you should read this too. And then, you know, maybe that doesn't work too well. (laughs) Uh, the,
0: The, um, in the workshop, of course, we had the benefit of being able to educate both sides. Um, which was a good thing because many of these situations that we were facing were real, real game breakers. Um, But I have found that I've taught this process to many people and they have used it to great effect. So it doesn't seem to require that the other person has to play along in a particular way. I mean, uh, the, the, the conversation is a guided, shared conversation. It's not a casual, just wing it talk. So the the process is one that has to be chaired by the person bringing it on. And that enables them in in guiding the thing to, to steer it and to avoid things that are avoid subjects, they're going to take it off, off course. Um, And once you've learned and practiced it best in a not so explosive situation, you get more confidence that okay, I know how to I know how to guide one of these conversations. Yeah.
1: Uh, no, it's so true. Yeah, you nailed it there. When you look back at your life, would you change anything in terms of continuing to be a lawyer, <laughs> and <laughs> or, or do you feel like you you did the right thing? You you've been on the right path. Um, you shifted, and you're in a happier, peaceful place.
0: Well uh are there times when uh a, a change in, in vector would have made a big difference I, I mean i met a uh i met a uh a television reporter one time we were having drinks in a hotel room with friends of his and he said um i'm thinking of uh i'm thinking of taking a run at the at the mayor and uh, i said oh that's nice ralph you know i hope that you do well with that <laughs> so nice. of course that was that was Ralph Klein
1: yes absolutely and
0: uh, had I uh, been a little bit more alive to the situation <laughs> I could have uh, perhaps uh, uh, followed his star a little more closely
1: oh yeah did you bump into him at the St. Louis or the King Eddie where he's <laughs>
0: <laughs> no it wasn't uh, it was at the, actually the Weston that we were in for the, oh yes at that time he was upscaling a little bit That at, at that the time yeah yeah you he, knew him, I take it.
1: Oh yes, yeah, and he, his history and he, he was great for our city and obviously province here. So yeah, he was a people's yeah. person, wasn't he?
0: Oh, he sure was. He was out there. <laughs> oh
1: yes, yeah, and he, he didn't give he a voice damn.
0: to a few things that uh, still stick in the uh, uh, still stick in the lexicon, you know, <laughs> about the eastern bums and so forth.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get going here maybe we can talk a little bit about tech what is tech uh what does this stand for and what okay. made you join that organization
0: well tech the in the acronym is the executive committee hmm. in the united states they've changed that perhaps because of confusion with technology uh they've changed it to vistage and it's a very large organization i think it's Twenty-five thousand CEOs now, maybe more. Um, the uh, aim of it is to bring uh, peers at the kind of um, mid-level presidency, not the gigantic companies, not the teeny weeny companies, but mid mid mid-market kinds of uh, presidents to bring them together to uh, have them. Um, be in a monthly meeting that is uh, protected so that the sanctity of the discussion is such it never goes anywhere, never comes back on on anybody. And people are very good about that. And then what we do as chairs is we meet individually with each member for two hours a month. And we tend to surface, they tend to tell us what's Mm. up in their world. And so our job is to kind of make sure that those issues come before the group and are uh, the subject of uh, constructive discussion in the group. And the third leg of the stool is that speakers are brought in to these small groups of 14 so it's not like <clears throat> rooms full um, to speak to them uh, about issues that are you know within their within their concern so they might be, financial they might be relationship they might be leadership um you know um marketing marketing all those kinds of things are
1: you seeing a lot of younger folks join those organizations
0: uh, well i think um uh, younger folks uh, like them i'm sure that they they are, are drawn to them but uh the, uh, the reason they're drawn, of course, is they want to hear from the uh, more experienced Absolutely. people. You know, it's like tennis players. They always want to play with, with, with players who are better than them.
1: Of course. That's, that's the only way you level up.
0: That's right. So <laughs> they, um, I, I, I think the attention in recruiting is to attempt to have a broad scope of experience. And uh, too early is not good in these groups, if the person is, is too green, that's not good.
1: No. What was one of the best pieces of advice that you've received and uh, you've applied to your life?
0: Um, I guess right now I would say, um, be ready for, be ready for changing evolution in, 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 in your personal self, um, who we are, Twenty is not who we are. At thirty is not who we are. At forty, etc. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, we had a speaker named Frederick Hudson who came and spoke to us about the eras of of uh, development and how you can look forward to the way life changes.
1: Well, Doug, thank <laughs> you again for today. I appreciate it.
0: Zach, I really enjoyed meeting you and talking with you, and I look forward to hearing your end of the book.